I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 25 this morning is where we'll spend our time together in God's Word. And as we do that, I need to let you know that I have a friend, a good friend, that is a movie star. Well, kind of. I have a friend that's been in three movies as an extra. You say, maybe that's not that big of a deal, but it was a big deal to him. In fact, he, when we went to visit them, he said, Michael, I've got to show you the movie. And I'm like, how about you just show me the scene? And he's like, you won't appreciate the rest of the movie if I just show you the scene. You need to see the whole movie. So the whole movie went by. I was like, I didn't see you. He's like, how did you miss it? He's like, I was right there on the screen. I said, okay, well, you know, show me. And so he rewinds it and he presses play. And for an eighth of a second, his left side was in the shot as they were panning. And he said, there I am. You see me right there? Well, I guess so. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is when we look at the Christmas story, there are characters that are in the story that are not the main characters of the story. Now, for all of us, we know that Jesus is the main character in the story. His birth, what that means for us, that is the star of the show. And yet there are other characters that are found in this Christmas story. And so as we walk over the next few weeks together, we're going to look at those characters. Not because they're the main point of the story, but as we look at these characters, as we look at their lives, as we look at what they contribute to the Christmas story, my hope and my prayer is that for all of us, we would recognize and understand that we too are part of a story. We're part of a story of what God is doing on this planet. And here's the deal. You're not the point of the story. And I'm not the point of the story. But we get to play a part in the story. We get to be part of the cast that is doing everything, if we're followers of Jesus, to lead and prepare people to meet Him. What we're going to see this morning is that play out in the life of three people. Zechariah... Elizabeth and their son, John. I want to read the text for us this morning, and then we will walk back through it together. This is what Luke records beginning in Luke chapter 1, verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense." And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord, 
standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me, to take away my reproach among people. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see. You would open our ears that we would be able to hear. And that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit this morning. We ask that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. As we look at the text this morning, I want you to write down this truth that will frame our time together. I think it's the main idea of the passage, what we're considering this morning in these verses, and it's this truth. We have the opportunity every single day to prepare the way for people to meet Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you have the opportunity given to you every single day to prepare the way for people to meet Jesus. What we're going to see this morning in the text is that that's exactly the purpose and plan that God had for Zechariah, for Elizabeth, and for John. That God's desire was to use them to prepare the way for people to meet Jesus. In fact, John, the son of Zechariah and Elizabeth, would be the forerunner to prepare the way for people to meet Jesus Christ. And at this point in time in the text, as we think about this Christmas season... As we reflect on people meeting Jesus, can I just share with you this morning that this is a time of year when people are open to conversations about Jesus. This is a time of year, and Santa's a big deal. I know the Christmas trees, the decorations, the gifts, but can I remind you that people know oftentimes that Jesus really is the reason for the season? 
They may not have surrendered their lives to him. They may not have trusted him as their savior, but they're open to conversations about who Jesus Christ is. For us as followers of Jesus, every single day is an opportunity for us to prepare the way for people to meet him. I want us to look at a sentence this morning. I've broken it into three parts. It's going to walk us through the text today. And this is what I want you to take notice of first. God has a history of using ordinary people. God has a history of using ordinary people. You can look at your neighbor this morning and say, you're ordinary. All of us are very ordinary We're all ordinary people. You may be looking and you say, "Mm, Pastor Michael, I'm pretty extraordinary. Your spouse doesn't think that. They know you. They know that you're pretty ordinary. And I'm pretty ordinary. But here's the amazing thing. We get to play a part in an extraordinary story about what Jesus Christ has done. And that's what we're going to see in Zechariah and Elizabeth's life. I want you to notice as we think about God having a history of using ordinary people, notice verse 5, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. So we're introduced to these two characters in the story, it's Zechariah and Elizabeth, and there's a guy who's mentioned at the beginning named Herod. He gets the third week in this series, along with a couple of other political rulers that were going at that point in time. But at this point in time, I just want you to notice that these are two ordinary people. In fact, these are two ordinary people who lived underneath a pretty tyrannical regime that Herod had carried out in Judea. I want you to notice that as we think about this ordinary couple, notice how it describes them beginning in verse 6. They were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. So they were an ordinary couple who were just doing life together, living under a tyrannical regime, but they were walking with the Lord. These were godly people. Zechariah was serving as a priest. His wife was involved in all that was going on in his ministry as a priest, and they were walking blamelessly, Luke records, before the Lord. You think, man, that's, that's an encouraging thing to hear. But I want you to notice what happens in verse 7. The story takes a bit of a turn. But they had no child. Now, you need to make this connection because at this point in time in history, especially for the Jewish people, to have children was considered for a woman the greatest thing that could ever happen to you. In fact, they would look at those who were barren, those who were not able to bear children, and they would actually look down on them. So just keep this in your mind as we're looking at this. These are two people, a couple who are walking with the Lord, but at this point in time, Elizabeth And Zechariah do not have a child. And in fact, it says she was barren, and both were advanced in years. So we have this ordinary couple, 
who are living under a tyrannical regime, who are seeking to follow the Lord the best they know how, but they're walking through a season of difficulty. In fact, their entire marriage had been a season of difficulty. If you personally have experienced or you know someone who has experienced infertility with a desire to have children and to have to walk through that, you know the heartbreak that they're living in as the text describes it here. And they're walking with the Lord. And yet, they have no child. Notice verse 8. While he was serving as a priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. So that kind of seems a little bit strange. What's the big deal going on with him being chosen by lot? I mean, what, what's going on there? So what you need to understand is that walking into the temple as a priest was not something you necessarily wanted to do because it was a bit unknown. God had, in fact, prescribed that the priest were to wear a robe that had bells on the bottom of it and that they were to be uh, a rope tied to their legs so that as they walked in, in case the Lord struck them dead, that you could pull them out. So when it says that they drew lot for him to go in, you got to know at this point in time, Zechariah is walking into this situation going, man, I wish I wouldn't have gotten chosen. Because walking into the temple, going into the presence of the Lord was a serious matter. And for Zechariah here, I want you to notice what happens as he goes in. Verse 10, the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. In verse 11, there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. You say, Is that an odd thing for that to happen to Zechariah? We're going to find out his response in just a second. But let me paint some context for you at this point in history with God's people. That when the book of Malachi closes at the end of the Old Testament, there's about 400 years where God is silent with his people where God does not raise up a prophet to speak his word to his people. There are 400 years of silence on the Lord's part with his people. And they're continuing to go through the motions of trying to worship the Lord, but the Lord's not speaking. You may have felt that in your own life at some point. But an angel shows up. The Lord who was silent up until this point for 400 years is getting ready to speak to Zechariah as he enters in to the temple. Verse 12, Zechariah, the scripture says, was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. Have you ever had the thought, oh, I'd love to see an angel. Oh, that'd be wonderful. I would love, no. Every single time that in the scriptures someone sees an angel, they are absolutely terrified. You think, oh, I'd grab my phone and snap a picture, right? (laughs) No, you would fall on your face going, please, no, Lord, no. So think about this. For Zechariah, the Lord had been silent with his people for 400 years, and then 
an angel appears as he's going in and fulfilling his responsibility within the temple. He's terrified. Fear falls upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you will call his name John. All right. Notice what God does here. God has been silent with his people. His people are waiting for him to speak. His people are waiting for him to move. Not only that, God had made a promise back in Genesis 3.15 that he would send a Messiah, a Savior to the world, and his people have been waiting for that. They've been longing for that, but God hasn't yet come through at this point in time. And here, I want you to notice that Zechariah is terrified, but the angel says, I've got good news. Zechariah, you're going to be a dad. And Elizabeth's going to be a mom. You're going to have a child. But not just any child. Do you notice what he said? This child is going to be special. I know we all think we have special children. But not with this description. I want you to notice you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord. This child that is promised here is going to be great before the Lord. Well, why is he going to be great? What's so special about him? Notice he continues on and he says, here's what's going to mark him. He must not drink wine or strong drink. He's going to follow in the laws of the Levites. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Listen to verse 16. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. You're going to have a son. This son is going to be great before the Lord. This son is going to prepare the way for God to do something incredible. It's going to be amazing. You know, as I think about this, it's amazing to me that God uses ordinary people to accomplish His plan and His purpose. I don't know about you, but that gives me hope. That God can take you and God can take me, ordinary people, and accomplish for His glory and His purpose extraordinary things. Not only that, God can often take us in our brokenness when we don't understand what's going on and do incredible and magnificent things through our lives. At this point in time, you got to know that for Zechariah and Elizabeth, it's been a difficult time. You may have come in this morning and for you, it's been a difficult year. In fact, you're walking through a season right now where you're wondering, man, is it ever going to get better? Are things ever going to change? Are my kids going to follow Jesus or not? 
I've got marriage issues, and are those going to be resolved? Are we going to be able to work through those? I got problems at work going on. I hate where I work, and they hate me being there. Is that going to change? But I want you to notice that God works in people's lives where they are. It'd be great to hear this story and to see God say, hey, listen, I'm going to rearrange everything and your life's going to be so much better and then I'm going to work through you. But often God works in the difficult seasons of our lives to bring about his plan and his purpose. So you may have come in this morning and for you, you're thinking, I don't know what God's doing in the midst of what I'm walking through right now. Can I say to you, neither did Zechariah and Elizabeth. And yet they were willing to be a part of what God was doing to prepare the way for Jesus to transform people's lives. If you're a follower of Jesus here this morning, you're an ordinary person who's been transformed by an extraordinary Savior. Can I remind you, God wants to use you. God wants to work in and through you to prepare the way for people to meet Jesus that you encounter day in and day out. Maybe you are here this morning because someone is preparing the way for you to meet Jesus. Maybe you're not yet a follower of Jesus, and for you, this is an opportunity for you to hear who Jesus is and to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ personally in your life. As Pastor Scott mentioned earlier, that you receive the greatest gift that could ever be offered, that is Jesus Christ as your Savior. At this point in time, we see in the text that God has a history of using ordinary people. But I want you to notice the second part to that statement. God has a history of using ordinary people who struggle to understand what he's doing. You ever been there? You ever been there in your life as a follower of Jesus, experiencing life and going, I have no clue what God's up to. I don't know why I have the spouse I have. I don't know why I have the children I have. I don't know why I have the job I have. I don't know why I live in the crazy neighborhood I live in. But at this point in time, I want you to notice how Zechariah responds to the word that he's just received from the Lord, who has been silent with his people for 400 years. Verse 18 Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? Let me translate this for you in South Georgia language. That don't make no sense. That's what he said. Notice how he follows up. How shall I know this? Listen to his question, his statement on the back end of the question. I... I'm an old man. I love this. And my wife is advanced in years. <laughs> He's kind, wasn't he? I mean, isn't that good? Take some pointers from that, husbands. All right. But what he's saying at this point in time, in response to what the angel has just told him, is it doesn't work that way. I don't understand. I don't know how you're going to do what you said you're going to. I don't know how God's going to make that work. I mean, doesn't he understand biology? 
I'm old, she's old, that doesn't work. You don't have children at that point. In fact, God has spoken to Zechariah, and Zechariah puts a question mark beside what God has said. Verse 19, the angel answered him. Listen to his response. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. He doesn't go into an explanation that maybe we would think he would go into. He simply says, I stand in the presence of God. That ought to be enough. If God has spoken, it should be enough. In fact, as I was reading this this past week, it stuck out to me, and you may want to write this down if you hear nothing else this morning. Don't put a question mark where God has put an exclamation point. Don't put a question mark where God has put an exclamation point. God has said to Zechariah, here's what I'm going to do. Zechariah says, what? And then once again, the angel reminds him, we're not talking about someone just out of the blue saying this. We're talking about the God of the universe has spoken. And he is saying to you, this will happen. Verse 20, behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. I think this was just a little bit of an opportunity for the angel on behalf of the Lord to say to Zechariah, how about you shut your mouth and listen? How about you reflect on this a little bit? How about you think about the God that you serve, the God that you worship, where God has put an exclamation point. Don't put a question mark. Verse 21, the people were waiting for Zechariah. They were wondering at his delay in the temple. Remember? Maybe he's dead. Maybe we better start tugging that rope. Get him out of there. When he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. Maybe you're in a season right now where you can't figure out what in the world God is doing. Can I say to you, even in that season, when you can't figure it out, God can use you to prepare the way for people to meet Jesus. God's desire is to use you. His desire is to use me to prepare the way for people to meet Jesus. You say, Pastor, I don't understand why I have the family that I have. Isn't it amazing that when holidays come around, it kind of reminds us again, I've got a dysfunctional family. But God desires to use you in the midst of a dysfunctional family to prepare the way for people to meet Jesus. 
Say, Pastor, I absolutely hate where I work. It's miserable. I can't stand it. And maybe you need to look for another job. But in the meantime, at least allow the Lord to use you to prepare the way for people to meet Jesus where you are. Say, my neighbors are crazy. Don't say amen if they're sitting next to you, okay? But at this point, maybe God's desire in your life is for those neighbors to be your neighbors so that you can prepare the way for them to meet Jesus. At this point in time, we're reminded that God has a history of using ordinary people who struggle to understand what he's doing. But here's how we're going to follow this up in verses 24 and 25. These ordinary people who struggled to understand what God was doing were the very tools that God desired to use to prepare the way for his mission to be fulfilled. Notice verse 24. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. God did it. The promise that God had made to Zechariah through the angel was fulfilled. For five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. When we look at this son that was born to them, his name was John. When you look at Jesus' early ministry, it is John who stands before the people and lays the groundwork for Jesus Christ to step forward and fulfill the ministry that his father had sent him to do to lay his life down for our sins to be forgiven. John who would stand and call the people to repentance, call the people to prepare to receive the promise that God had made in Genesis 3.15, a Savior is coming and He's Jesus. And when John's own disciples didn't understand and couldn't put it all together and said to John, don't you realize that everybody's leaving you and they're going to follow Jesus? John said... He must increase, and I must decrease. John, this baby that was promised to this couple prepared the way for people to meet Jesus. You and I, as North River Church, have the opportunity every single day to prepare the way for people to meet Jesus. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me and close your eyes. Maybe you came in this morning and for you, someone has been preparing the way, has been praying for you, has been inviting you, has been encouraging you to surrender your life to Jesus Christ as Savior. As we think about the Christmas story, as we think about the baby in a manger in Bethlehem. We're reminded that that's just the beginning of the story. That baby grew up and lived a sinless and perfect life. 
He went to the cross offering himself as a sacrifice to pay for our sin debt. But he didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave, securing salvation for us if we would simply receive that gift. Maybe for you this morning, this is the opportunity that you need to respond to and receive that gift. If you'd like to talk with one of our pastors in just a little bit as we sing a song of invitation, we'll be down front. We'd love nothing more than to help you take that step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. Maybe you've got questions that you'd like to talk through. I'd encourage you to fill out a connection card in the seat back in front of you. Drop that off at the welcome table. We'd love to reach out to you this week to share the gospel with you, to answer those questions, to walk with you through taking that step of trusting Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus here this morning already, and the Lord's convicted your heart today to take advantage of the opportunities to prepare the way for people to meet Jesus in your life. Your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends, your classmates, your family members. God desires to use you to prepare the way for them to meet Jesus. Will you take that challenge? Will you make yourself available? Even though you may not understand it all, He wants to use you. God, we ask today that you would work in our hearts and our lives as you already have through your word. That those who are far from you, you would bring to yourself through salvation. That those of us who are followers of Jesus already, that you would use us to prepare the way for other people to meet Jesus like we have. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and give you an opportunity this morning to respond, to sing and worship to the Lord. You respond as he leads.